Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Terry, and I'm excited to welcome to the show retired Judge LaDoris Cordell, who is a former Superior Court Judge and the immediate past independent auditor for the City of San Jose Police Department. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Terry. I'm glad to be here. So we're going to jump right in, and my first question is, what does this mean for us as the general public when you say the independent auditor for the city of San Jose's police department? What are the implications for the general public? What does this mean? What did you do in that role? And is this the norm for police departments across the country? Or is this something unique to us here in San Jose? Well, the Office of the Independent Police Auditor for the city of San Jose is not a part of the police department. It is a separate governmental entity. And so the office has existed since 1996. And its purpose is to provide independent civilian, and by civilian I mean people like you and me, not police officers, independent civilian oversight over the police. And more specifically what that means is that if you as a member of the public have a complaint about how you were treated by a San Jose police officer or officers, then that the office of the independent police auditor is where you can bring the complaint. You can also complain directly to the, the uh, San Jose Police Department, but the complaints are all then, we're notified of them as well in that office. And I say we, even though I left the office and retired after five years in 2015, um, it's still a part of what I consider a part of my work. Uh, so then what happens is in San Jose under this model, the police investigate all the complaints, but it is the independent police auditor's office that oversees, has oversight over those investigations and what they find. So we make sure that the investigations are done thoroughly, they're done objectively, and we make sure that whatever findings, if they say, okay, there's no merit to this complaint, we make sure that that finding is one that's justified, that it is done without bias and objective. And if it isn't, then our office has the ability to push back. So that's part of what the office does. Uh, the other part is the office makes recommendations by setting policy. So for example, when I was the independent police auditor, I just checked to see whether or not the rules for the police department had anything about chokeholds. Because if you remember, Eric Garner in New York was killed uh, on camera by police officers, one of whom had him in a chokehold so he could not breathe. So I decided when I was the police auditor, let me just check this this what's called a duty manual in San Jose, and it's the rules that guide the police department. What are their rules on chokeholds? Well, I found that there was nothing at all. It was just silent on it. So our recommendation was, let's not wait for some officer to use a chokehold and kill somebody here in San Jose. So the recommendation was to make a rule that says chokeholds are prohibited. So those are the kinds of things that we do that the office can do proactively as well as overseeing the whole complaint process. And by the way, uh, the police department did then adopt the rule that says the officers in San Jose are prohibited from using chokeholds. Awesome. And in terms of independent auditors, is this a norm across the country? So Terry, there are 18,000 police departments in the United States. Um, and as opposed to most countries in the world, most countries have just one police department, a national police force. Um, this country is unique. There may be one or two others, but this is the largest country that's so unique that every little village, 
town, city can have its own police force and they have their own jurisdiction. So there are 18,000 of these departments in this country and all but, a, all but a handful do not have any kind of independent civilian oversight. So there are some, some major cities and some small ones, but not nearly enough and I believe that all police departments should have independent civilian oversight for the reason that if you don't, that means if you have a complaint against a police officer and there's no independent oversight, that means the police just police themselves. They take in the complaint, they look at it, they don't tell you what they're doing when they're looking at it, they quote unquote investigate it, maybe they do, maybe they don't, and then you just get a letter saying, oh, there's no merit to it. We looked at it and we decided that's it. That's not good. Any uh, organization, particularly one that can use force and that carries weapons, should not be policing themselves. I believe there absolutely should be independent civilian oversight over every single police department in the United States. Absolutely, thank you. And you mentioned a duty manual. Right. Could you just talk a little bit about what exactly is a duty manual and how do we as a general public even access a duty manual to know what's in it and how we can use right. it to help protect ourselves? Great question. So every police department, these 18,000 that I've mentioned, has a Bible. Now, they don't call it a Bible, but what I mean by that, it's, it's a book of rules. And they call them di by different names. So in San Jose, it's called a duty manual. It's all the rules that police officers have to follow. So in San Jose, that duty manual is over 600 pages, all kinds of stuff in it. Um, so in San Jose, the, the, the duty manual, well, any police department, you can go look at their manual, number one, if they let you, and number two, and that may mean you may have to go to the department and ask to see it and then stand there and look at it, or Pal at San Jose and some other police departments as well, as well, put their duty manuals online. And that's because, again, uh, in San Jose, the Office of the Independent Police Auditor pushed to have this done. So if you just go to Google, and you type in San Jose Police Department and come to their homepage, or type in Independent Police Auditor San Jose and go to that office's homepage, you can just then click Duty Manual and then you can, can kind of see anything in it, mostly everything in it. Some of it's redacted because some of the information is confidential, but most of the 600 pages are there. And then there's a search box, and you just type in what it is you like to see. So the first issue is, you know, why, why can't you see it? You can go maybe to another police department and they'll say, no, you can't see our manual of rules. Now, the reason that upsets me is that taxpayers, that's us, we pay the salaries of the police. And guess whose money paid for the development of the duty manual? We did. So we, that's ours. It belongs in, to the police office and it belongs to us. So I believe there is a right for the public to know what's in the duty manual and I hope that Anyone listening to this program, if you don't live in San Jose and live in a city that doesn't have their rules, book of rules, the police department's rules online, that you go and demand it because I can't think of any legitimate argument to keep that away from members of the public. Now, why should you know what's in it? Because what's in it lets you know what police officers are obligated to do and not do. So for example, Terry, you're driving your car, you get stopped in San Jose by a police officer, and you don't feel you were treated very well. So you say to the officer, uh, I want to see uh, what, what's your name and badge number? Well, the rule in San Jose is 
that a police officer, when asked for identification, must, it's not a maybe or discretionary, must give you the officer's name and badge number, either writing it down, him or herself, or giving you a, a department-issued business card. Now, you wouldn't know that, but if you went to the duty manual and type in identification, which any of your viewers can do for the San Jose, there's the rule right there. So there are all kinds of rules on uh, whether you know, officers can search. There's rules on just about everything you can find. And that really informs how we act when we're interacting with the police. Absolutely. Right? right. So that's why it's so important. And I so appreciate you're getting this information out, why it's so important for members of the public to know you have, or I believe we all have a right Absolutely. to have this information. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So basically, you're saying it doesn't matter if a person out there listening is not in San Jose, is their right if they go to the police department and say, can I see your duty manual or whatever, your book of rules, that is their right as a member of the public. Right, that's my view, but understand, you might walk into a police department, not San Jose, mm -hmm. and they may say, no, we're not gonna give it to you. And you may say, well, that's my right, and they may say, well, we disagree. Well, that's kind of a standoff. I believe that if that happens to someone, they should go to an organization like the ACLU okay. and say, I believe that, you know, taxpayers, we have a right to know what rules these police officers are supposed to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. That's wonderful information. So we have a right to see a duty manual. That's my view. Okay. And I, and I agree with that view. <laughs> so, um, and if we're in a jurisdiction that might be, there might be pushback that we can go to other authorities like the ACLU. Sure. Okay. Awesome. So we're going to go to the next topic of discussion, something that um, I, I feel like we as the general public, again, we need to be more knowledgeable about, mm -hmm. we need more information and education on. And that is the police or the peace officer bill of rights. And I did my research. So as I understand it, at this point, 14 states have versions of the police officer bill of rights in their statutes. Another 11 are considering similar um, legislation, and many other states have similar provisions in their contracts with the unions. So could you just talk a little sure. bit more about police officer bill of rights and the sure. implications and just what does that mean? Because sure. I, don't, I don't think a lot of people no. know. Yet another good question. So <laughs> California has a peace officer's bill of rights. Now what does that mean? That means it's in the government code and if you look in the government code, and I think it's section 3400, I hope I'm right on that. Um, but, and again, you can just Google it, mm -hmm. California. So it is state law, it is a state law. And it's very, it's not very long and very easy to read. And the Peace Officers Bill of Rights was passed to protect police officers throughout California. So that's the California Highway Patrol, that's local police departments, sheriff's departments, all of that are covered under the Peace Officers Bill of Rights in California. So I can talk to you about that particular um, legislation. I don't know anything much about others in other states. But here in California, the Peace Officers Bill of Rights provides not only protection to police officers, but it puts a shield, a cover over them that gives them all kinds of confidentiality. And I think it's bad because there should be, I believe, a lot of sunshine when it comes to policing. We need transparency. We need to know a lot of things. So for example, under the Peace Officers Bill of Rights in California, 
you, us taxpayers, have no right to know whether or not an officer has had any complaints that have been uh, sustained against him or her. We have no right to know what discipline has been imposed on any police officer. So if you file a complaint, and let's say your complaint about an officer is sustained, that means, yep, there was merit to the complaint, the officer acted poorly, right? You then say, okay, so how many other complaints have been sustained against this officer? And your answer will be, we're not going to tell you because we don't have to because the law says you don't get that info. Then you may say, well, what's the discipline for this officer because he, he or she misbehaved? And once again, Peace Officers Bill of Rights, you have no right to know. Now, why this is so bad is one, it's just we need more transparency in government. We pay their, their salaries, right? Yeah. But think about this, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, lawyers, judges, if any of us have any complaints sustained against us, all that information is made public. You can go online, you can type in the name of a doctor, a judge, or a lawyer. You can find out not only the, what happened with the complaint, meaning it was sustained, what was it that this person did that was bad, you also will be told what the discipline was. So why is it that all these other professions have all this information available to the public, but the police don't. So the police claim, well, we're different, you know, people may want to, uh, you know, come after us. And so how's that any different from me when I was a judge? I'm sentencing people to prison. Some people, as you can imagine, were not happy with some of the sentences I had to impose. But the information about me is all available to the public. I think that it is time for the voters in California to say, we need to repeal the Peace Officers Bill of Rights or, and revise it. We need to have more transparency in policing and the Peace Officers Bill of Rights keeps all of us in the dark. Now, what I'm saying does not please the police officers. I mean, they, they, that's their, their laws. Mm -hmm. And how do they get those laws? Well, their unions lobbied in Sacramento and lobbyists also pay a lot of money to support campaigns of legislators and that's how they get these laws. That's bad. I think that's so bad to have that kind of money influencing politics, but it does. That's the real world. I hope that voters, in light of how people are now getting involved because of the Trump administration, will take a look at this because I think the time is ripe now to say we want more transparency and one place to start is with this piece of legislation. We need to revise it by making things much more transparent. Awesome, that's great. This is awesome information. Thank you so much. So we have our work cut out for us. Absolutely. We really have our work cut out for us. So the next thing, we're, we've talked a lot about policemen and their rights. I wanna to touch base on um, or just elaborate on me as a citizen what are my responsibilities? What should I do as a citizen? And I, I've heard you speak before and you mentioned something about don't be a rat. Right. And I love that because sure. it's, it just, it lays it all out. If you can just talk more about what does that mean, don't be a rat, and what are my responsibilities as a citizen? What am Great. I called to do? Good. And, and, and I hope that what I say to you will be relayed by uh, parents, grandparents who are watching this to their young people, Absolutely. to teens. This is really, really important. Yes. So the most frequent interactions between the police and civilians are traffic stops mm -hmm. and pedestrian stops. So you're walking down the street, officer comes up, you have an interaction, or you get pulled over for some sort of traffic violation. That's when the interactions happen. Mm -hmm. 
So it's, and, and if things don't, aren't handled well, they can go downhill fast. Absolutely. And people can find themselves in handcuffs, sitting on a curb, all kinds of things, or in jail, right? Mm -hmm. So the key is we don't want our young people to get caught up in this criminal justice system because once it gets its, its tentacles on them, it's really hard to get them out, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So and the, the first step toward getting entangled in the criminal justice system is that contact with the police. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. So I advise everybody, I don't care what age you are, to follow the rule of don't be a rat. And this is what applies any time you have an encounter with a police officer. All right. So each of these, R-A-T, stands for something you shouldn't do. So R stands for run. Officer says, particularly the young people, hey, I need to talk to you. And the kid just jets off and runs. And they think it's real funny. It's not, because it's a crime. If you run when an officer has said, I want to talk to you, that's evading. That's a misdemeanor right off the top. And you'll get caught. And then, <laughs> then yeah, I mean, that's what happens, all right? Absolutely. Okay, so don't run. So officer, I want to talk to you, you stop. Second is A, don't be a rat, A, don't argue. So an officer starts getting in your face and you're not liking this or says you did something you didn't do, do not argue. Why? Because the officer has the gun, the officer has the power. So the idea is to be reasonable, be responsible, keep the voice down, and engage in a discussion only unless the officer is accusing you right there I'm accusing you of a crime, then you shut your mouth. You don't argue, you don't say anything at all. You just say, I want to talk to a lawyer, all right? Mm -hmm. Third is T, right, R-A-T, touch. Never touch an officer. Don't put your hands, don't even think about it because to do so, yet another crime or crimes. Could be battery, could be assault, uh, could be resisting, it could be interfering. All those are misdemeanors. Never, ever touch an officer. So basically, if you don't run, if you don't argue, act reasonably, and don't touch an officer. If the interaction goes okay and you're still not happy with how you were treated, then you go to the office of the independent police auditor. And if your police department doesn't have one, then you go right to the police department and ask for a complaint form. You can take it home. You don't have to fill it out there and then file a complaint, right? So those are the, the basic things. Now today in San Jose, police officers are going to be wearing body cameras. Yeah. So, so we, things, the dynamics are changing a little now, Absolutely. right? Uh, because I will tell you the most effective device that has brought change and more transparency to policing are our cell phones. Mm -hmm. Because that's really what gave rise to the body cameras. People, citizens now have their cameras. And so let me just say this one last thing. The rule in San Jose, and now it's a rule within the whole state of California because the law was passed in January. Police officers have no right to take your cameras if you are taping them. No right at all. And even if they say, I want to have it, you do not have to give it up. So the only requirement is you can tape an officer if what's going on is in public, mm -hmm. out on the street, and you're not interfering. If you're standing back far enough, they have absolutely no right, and it is the law, to take your camera or to you know, threaten any of that, then that's when you file a complaint. Okay, awesome. That's amazing information. I did not know that, that we can actually have our camera. Absolutely. And we're not doing anything wrong as long as we're not interfering right. or... In public. In public. That's and right. It's taking place in public. So 
We're going to pause right here and we're going to come back. We're going to just take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to continue the discussion because there's a couple more points that I want to hit. And those two are consensual encounter uh, versus detention. So okay. that people know the difference sure. between the two. So Absolutely. we'll be right back. All right. Thank you. Welcome back to Real Talk with Terry, and we have Judge LaDoris Cordell here, and we're just going to pick right back up where we started, and I just want you to elaborate or talk a little bit more about consensual encounter and detention so that people know the difference between when something is a consensual encounter and perhaps okay. when they're being detained. All right, so th this is an issue that everybody should know about. So the police, let's say a police officer stops you. Let's say, Terry, you're sitting in the park, you're reading a book, it's the middle of the afternoon, a police officer comes up, and let's say I'm the officer, and I go, um, hi ma'am, how are you? I'm good. You, you, you be the person, okay. Um, uh, great, so uh, what are you doing here? I'm just here reading a book. Uh -huh. How long have you been here? For about 20 minutes. Really, what's your name? My name is Terry. Uh -huh. Do you live near here? I do, actually. Yeah, and uh, what kind of work do you do? Um, I'm an author. Okay, so I'm going to stop here. So, <laughs> so, so far, you've done everything right. You've been, you know, you didn't argue. You've been very reasonable. But I'm going to ask you, Terry, how did you feel with this officer questioning you? I guess I asked you about five or six mm -hmm. questions. How did you feel? I started to feel uncomfortable. Why? Uh, well, because I felt like he was asking questions like, why is that any of your, your business if I live near here? And So you're whatever. feeling like I'm sitting here minding my own business Absolutely. and now I'm asking these questions. What's this all about? Yes. So. So here's what just happened between the officer and you was a consensual encounter. And that means an officer, any officer can come up to anybody and start a conversation. And if you answer back and, you know, just talk, oh, it's a nice day, how are you doing? That's a consensual, meaning you're consenting to talk, officer's consenting to talk, all right? So now let's go back to you're sitting in the park, I'm the officer, but this time I want you to say, uh, I don't want to answer any more questions. Can I go now? All right. All right. Okay. So, uh, Terry, uh, do you um, do you have family here in the area? I do. Great. Uh, so, uh, where are you going to go after you leave the park? Um, I don't want to answer any more questions. Okay. And then say, may I go now? May I go now? Now, if I, the officer, say to you, of course, yeah, it's nice talking to you, officer walks away or you decide to take your book and go home, mm -hmm. that's the end. That was a consensual encounter. Okay. We agreed to talk to each other and then we left. Now, ask me those questions again about whether or not you can go and, you know, you don't want to answer any more questions. Okay. Go ahead. I don't want to answer any more questions. May I go now? No. The minute an officer says no to you, you no longer have a consensual encounter. That officer has just said, no, you can't go anywhere, okay. which means you are now being detained. Now, under the law, a detention means an officer can temporarily keep you from going anywhere. And in the duty manual in San Jose, that temporarily means no more than about 20 minutes, right? Okay. So it could be two minutes. It could be maybe 20 minutes. So in order for an officer to detain you, and this is all in the duty manual, and it is the law, an officer must have a reasonable suspicion that you are engaged in criminal activity. Okay. That is the only reason for a valid detention. So what did this officer see just by talking to you? Well, first of all, let's back up. Why would an officer come up and just make conversation? Officers do that because that's how they investigate. Sometimes they'll come up to a group of people and have a conversation, 
but the whole time they're kind of checking things out. Mm -hmm. So we're back in, in that role play, I'm the officer. When I looked at you, Terry, and again, this is just a role play, I saw you were nervous. I saw that your pupils were dilated. I saw they were kind of red and I smelled some weed. So that said to me, uh-oh, maybe there's somebody here who is, and you, by the way, you kept, again, this is just role play, you yes. kept, you know, putting your hand like down towards mm -hmm. your pocket. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking as an officer, mm, I have an officer safety issue here, maybe, maybe she's got a weapon in her pocket, or maybe she has drugs because I'm smelling something. So for those reasons, an officer could detain you without even telling you at this point, right? So the next thing, the question is, can the officer then lawfully search you without a warrant? And so the answer to that is yes. So the okay. law basically says no one can be subject to reasonable search and seizure, okay, mm -hmm. by the police, all right? So the question is, would it be reasonable for an officer to search you on these facts? And the answer is the officer can, yes, can order you and need you to stand up, and then the officer can search, do a pat search. Now, pat search means not go in any pockets, not go in any clothing, but just on the outside. An officer can do a pat search based on this scenario we've been talking about, right? right. The next question is, can the officer go, let's say I feel something, I'm pat searching you, and I feel something that could be a knife, I don't know, and I'm feeling another pocket, it could be a bag of marijuana, I don't know, right? Can the officer then seize it without a warrant? Do I have to go get a warrant before I can go in your pockets? On these facts, the answer is no. The officer has every right to go in your pocket based on everything I've told you now. And, and if you have a knife, then the officer now has probable cause to arrest you. Wow. Because not all possessions of knives are illegal, but your knife was illegal because it was a switchblade. Uh -huh. All right? So, so the officer now can arrest you, right? So now because you've been cooperative, this officer may decide, no, I'm not going to handcuff you and put you in a patrol car. I'm going to give you a misdemeanor citation. It looks like a traffic citation, and all you have to do is sign it. And by signing it, you're just agreeing to go to court to fight it if you want to fight it, right? Okay. So you sign it. I give you, you sign it. I give you the citation, and then we're done. Officer leaves. You now have a citation for misdemeanor possession of a knife awesome. or marijuana, right? So the question then is, have you been arrested? What do you think? I mean, have you been arrested? Did I arrest you on that? That's a great question. I would say I haven't been arrested, but okay. I was detained. So you would think, so you were detained, correct? Yes. And arrested, most people think, okay, handcuffs, and, and that didn't happen to you. No. But I'm just get this, when an officer issues a misdemeanor citation, that's an arrest. You now wow. have an arrest record. That's how quickly you can get pulled into the system. Wow. All right, so you walk away with a citation, you're thinking, no big deal. You have an arrest record. You're now in the system. Wow. Right. So these are the things that's important for all of us to know. Absolutely. And all of it's in the duty manual. You can look up detention, probable cause, okay. consensual encounter. It's all there. That is amazing. Thank you so sure. much. So we really need to know what's in the duty manual we need to know in our, our jurisdiction. Right. jurisdiction. We really need to know what our rights are because clearly under those circumstances, sure. I now have a record. That's right. Interesting. We want to make you aware of a really neat app that you can actually download on your smartphone and it's called the Mobile Justice app and the name of it is Mobile Justice CA. Again, you can download it on your phone 
on your mobile device and if you see police activity happening that you want to record you can actually record it directly through this app and when you hit send it will go directly to the ACLU so even if your phone is confiscated or if for some reason an officer decides to delete the footage the footage is already at the ACLU so once again for our safety, for your safety, if you're out and you see suspicious police activity, a really cool app to have on your phone is called the Mobile Justice app.